The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I do will it be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. Then, Warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. I miss you guys. I really did. If you, as you know, we were, we were shut down for almost two weekends now. Uh, as many of you heard, I had the communist flu. And so the communists tried to take me out. But I was too strong for them. So I defeated the communists with my immune system. So now, praise the Lord, that my body is coursing with the, with the cure of COVID right now. So I got the cure COVID in my blood. So I'll be selling my blood after mass, vials of blood, and you just, you just inject into your arm, right? I think that's how it works, I think, right? But praise the Lord, God, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy again. I feel good. And so praise the Lord. And thank you for all the many, you should see my house. I am sick and tired of soup, by the way. Because <laughs> many parishioners would just drop off soup, ring my doorbell, and run away. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. Well, thank you for taking care of me. Because even when you get sick, you just feel... Look at this, your world just collapses in on yourself. So praise the Lord. I lost three pounds, by the way. If, you have, if you're struggling with your weight, may I recommend the COVID diet? It's, uh, you might die, but you might lose a few pounds. So, so praise the Lord. I am slim and ready for action. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So one of the bad things about COVID was that, of course, I wasn't with you. We, we couldn't do any masses here in Laurelton because I, f- I fell sick on a Saturday morning. And then immediately, the, the moment you feel sick, as priests, we're supposed to shut everything down until you get a test and quarantine, all of that stuff for the safety of everybody around. So we had to cancel masses and I couldn't find priests the last minute to cover all of the masses. But we had some generous priests who covered a couple of the masses. So at least he had access to the sacraments. And but what was also that, the downside of it was that I was going to try to build up the, all, the, all my homilies set up to build up because there's a pattern in the last couple Sundays, if, if, you, if you recall the gospel readings. There was a pattern too, and I was hoping to kind of build up on it. 
and, and, and then just this crescendo with an amazing homily. It was going to be amazing. And the comment is struck, and, but it's okay. There's a pattern in the Gospels. Notice one of the things that Jesus immediately does. For the past two Sundays, and I'll quote the Gospel text from the previous two Sundays, that we didn't have any Mass. But there's a pattern that Jesus begins immediately as he begins his public ministry. There are two things he does immediately. He begins to heal people, left and right. He's healing people left and right, everywhere. But then the second thing, he begins to cast out demons. That's the pattern. Jesus launches into the world and he's curing people left and right, the, the deaf, the blind, the crippled, raising them up, healing them. But then the other side. That's what he writes. So this is from two Sundays ago. In the synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? So this is the, de the demon talking now. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. And all were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And his fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region. It's two Sundays ago. And last Sunday, we, had, we heard in the gospel something very similar. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons not permitting them to speak because they knew him. You see what Jesus is doing? Why does he heal people? And then why is he casting out demons? You know, a couple of years ago, prior before coming to this parish, I was part of an exorcism ministry. And I think I've, I've shared aspects of the story over the years. And so we had taken the, our team down to probably the most famous exorcist in the United States. He's a priest for the Diocese of San Jose. I'm not sure if he's still at the same parish, but I'm sure he's still part of the diocese there. But we had brought our team there to have, a, in a sense, a training session because we, we were trying to build up this team for exorcism ministry. And it's a priest by the name of Father Gary Thomas. Made famous because there was a book written about him, and then Hollywood made a movie about him a couple years ago called The Right. Of course, it's sensationalized as Hollywood does to, to exorcisms. But the heart of it was actually pretty, pretty true. I mean, we went to this parish in San Jose. It was a very affluent neighborhood. It was the Bay Area. You to live there, you got to be a millionaire, practically. And as we were sitting in the lobby waiting for a father to give us this, this, this talk, the secretary was there, and we were just chatting with her. You know how many calls they get every week from all over the world? Hundreds. Hundreds. Especially when the movie came out, because his name just became famous across the world. And people just call the parish, just, just call the parish, just try to get some help, just to see Father, Father Gary Thomas. Inundated calls. And finally, the, 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 the training session began, and 
Somebody asked the question, and it was a, it was a profound question. Because I've always wondered this. Why do demons even bother possessing us? Why? Who cares about us? Don't they have anything better to do than just to infect somebody with, with, their, with, their, with their demonness? <laughs> why do they even care about us? And so Father asked, so we asked the Father, Father, why do demons even attach themselves to us and possess us? And again, his answer was utterly profound and at the same time very simple. He says they possess us in order to mock the Incarnation. Do you see what, why that's so profound? They do it in order to mock the Incarnation. Because what is the, the distinguishing aspect of Christianity which makes our religion different than any other religion? It's the idea that Jesus Christ in Jesus now, Jesus has become incarnate in the flesh. God has united divinity, himself divinity, with our broken, frail humanity. That he has become one now with humanity. And this is why baptism is so key, isn't it? Because what happens in the waters of baptism? When, you, when the priest pours the water over your head, at that moment we become part and grafted onto the body of Jesus Christ. We become one with Jesus now. Therefore, we become one with God himself again. The devil knows that. And so in order to make fun of God, because they hate Jesus, they hate him with all passion, by the way. They hate him. And so what they do is, they possess certain human beings who allow themselves to be possessed. And they say to God, mockingly, Oh God, oh Jesus, you think you're the only one that could, that could incarnate in a human being? We can do it too. And so they possess a human being to make fun of the incarnation. Because what happens, rather, what is the goal of demons? What is the devil's sole purpose and strategy? It is to separate us from God forever. That's the sole strategy of the devil. To keep us away from God, to distract us with worldly allurements, to think that God is not real, to think, put God on a shelf and to forget about him. Because he knows the moment that we separate ourselves from God, we are easy pickings. And that is one aspect, again, the key to understanding Christianity and all its complexity is that simple fact. What is the whole point of all of this whole Christian thing? The whole point of Christianity is to unite ourselves back to God. That's Christianity in its bare bones, right there. You want to understand the Eucharist? You want to understand theology? You want to all understand everything that we do as in our faith? Use that key. And everything begins to fall into place. To reunite ourselves back to God. That's the key, right? That's Christianity. Think about it. What is God? Jesus reveals that God is a holy trinity. That God, there's, we have one God, the creator of the entire universe, everything. But he exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
God who was perfect in and of himself. Now the question arises, why does he create any of us? Why do we exist? Because remember, none of us need to exist, even though our, our egos tell us that we're the most important thing in the world, right? No, we're nothing. But rather, God creates each and every single one of us in order to share in the life of the Trinity, to become one with him. That is why you exist. It's to share in the life of the Trinity. That's why. But what happens? Adam and Eve enter into play. Again, with the key. God's purpose is to reunite humanity. What did they do? Adam and Eve comes. Through original sin, God, now we've become separated from him. And the moment that Adam and Eve, the moment that they sin and separate ourselves from God, thereby causing all of us to separate ourselves now, God begins his rescue mission. God raises up after Adam and Eve, our sinfulness. He raises up the mighty prophets of old. He raises up, remember, Noah. He raises up Abraham. He raises up in that pivotal, beautiful encounter, Moses. Why does God choose a Jewish, the Jewish people, the chosen people, and he gives them his law? He teaches them the Ten Commandments, right? You recall that. Why? Because we had forgotten how to follow God. Because through our sinfulness, through our actions, we have separated ourselves from him. And so God says, okay, how do I save humanity? I need to teach them about me again. So he chooses Jewish people, and he says to the Jews, if you follow me, I will bless the entire world because through you, I will send you the Messiah who will build, if you recall from a couple weeks ago with the homilies, he would build an everlasting kingdom. Remember that? I will build the kingdom through you. I will send the Messiah. And then through you now, everybody would be blessed because of you. And what is the mission now? When Jesus calls the 12 apostles. Again, the question is, why does Jesus call 12? Ah, use the key to reunite humanity. He called the 12 apostles in order to form them, teach them the ways, and empower them with the mission in order to rebuild humanity now. To reestablish the 12 tribes of Israel, which now would extend far beyond Jewish blood, but now would encompass the entire world. That's why I look up Matthew 28. It is in Matthew 28, you have the parting command of our king. He's gathered with, with the apostles now in that beautiful morning before he sends back into heaven. He says to them, and it's beautiful, utterly profound. He says, I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you now. I have given you my Holy Spirit. And you now will go out and remember the last words, the Great Commission. What does he say? He says, go out into the whole world. The whole world. Teach them everything that I've taught you these last three years. And baptize everyone you meet. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. From that moment on, the church explodes onto the scene. And the greatest religious revolution takes place. Do you realize the expansion of Christianity is the greatest cultural revolution in the world? It's the greatest. And even though they tried to persecute us, the more they killed us, the Roman Empire, 
the stronger we became. We were like cockroaches. Holy cockroaches running around the world. They couldn't even stop us. They were so irritated. Kept trying to kill our ancestors. Ah, but we kept spreading. But what happens now? Now enter the genius, what's gonna happen on Wednesday? What, what do we do on Wednesday? We begin Ash Wednesday, and if you could please grab a bulletin, and I'll announce the, the schedule for Ash Wednesday. But we begin the holy season of Lent. Because what happens, and then remember this, practice of Lent goes back to the very early church. What happens? That even though God does all of these amazing things, we are all weak. And we forget about God and we neglect Him. Because let's be real, let's be honest. How many of us follow the Ten Commandments perfectly? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand because if you, if you do, you're a liar. You're a liar, liar, pants on fire. None of us follow the Ten Commandments perfectly. How many of us in Deuteronomy 6 love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength? And when they asked Jesus the same question, remember they asked Jesus what's the most important thing? He repeats Deuteronomy 6. How many of us love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength? <laughs> we all fail. God knows this. Think back even to, the, to, to, to Moses in that beautiful scene where Moses takes the Jewish people, frees them from their slavery under the pharaohs. They've literally seen the miraculous workings of God himself. In their faith. They've seen miracles. Which, by the way, this is why God doesn't perform miracles for us. You know, sometimes we beg God, God, just do a miracle and I'll be a better Christian. No. No. Just because God struggles with miracles, yeah, we might be interested for a little bit, but we won't love Him. God can manifest Himself right here in front of our faces. And He'll say, follow me. I'll be like, wow, it's Jesus. We'll go home and sin. Same thing with the Jewish people. God knows us. God now goes out, frees them as slavery from Egypt. And what did, they, what did the Jewish people begin to immediately do? They start to complain. And they even beg, why don't we just go back to Egypt? I'd rather be a slave in Egypt than follow God. Because again, in order to follow God, it is hard. Because it requires us to die to ourselves. And the Jewish people kept complaining. At least in Egypt, when we were slaves, yeah, we had a warm bed. We had plenty of food to eat. They complained and they complained and they drifted so far where they began to even to worship the golden calf. Remember that scene when Moses comes down Mount Sinai? They couldn't even last a day. And they began to worship the other gods because... We are all weak. Now enter to the genius of the holy season of Lent. On Ash Wednesday, we will begin anew. We will say to the Lord, no matter how we've lived our faith this past year, Lent is that pivotal season where we say, Lord, I repent. I have not loved you with all of my heart, with all of my mind. I have allowed the dumb things of the world to distract me from you. The one thing that matters. 
And that is why this holy season of Lent, there are three aspects which we engage in. First one, almsgiving. What is almsgiving? Charity. We increase our charity during Lent. And I love this because what happens oftentimes, especially in our materialistic culture, we love our stuff too much. We fall in love with our possessions too much. And we seek possessions to the point where we love it so much that we even neglect God. We all do this, my brothers and sisters. All of us do. And so God knows this. So in Lent and almsgiving, we increase it. Which is why, by the way, during, you know, whenever we give for charity, when we give to the church, whatever you drop into the collection basket, it should sting. It should sting you and me. Even as a priest, I'm, I'm called to, to give charity as well. It should hurt. Why? Because that's, that shows us our attachment to our possessions. And so God wants us to break free from that. So almsgiving is increased. Second, we increase our fasting. We take this, the, the, the good and we sacrifice it. Why? Because we love fried chicken too much. We love our hamburgers too much. We love candy too much. And so we say to the Lord, our Lord, I will, I will forgo this delightful cupcake, <laughs> this muffin, and out of love for you, I will fast for what, again, insert your, 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 your penance in there. Thirdly, we increase our prayer time. As Padre Pio said beautifully, prayer is the oxygen of the soul. If you feel your soul starving, increase of prayer. And this is where we have a beautiful opportunity. We have a beautiful tradition during Lent, the beautiful stations of the cross. So as we've done, just to remind you, so every Wednesday we do the stations here. That'll be at 5.30, stations of the cross. So at 5.30 we meditate upon the beautiful stations of the cross here and then in Portola, if you're there, uh, we do it on Fridays at the same time at 5.30. Do you, do, you, do you recall the history of the stations? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tradition, which, which we've now done during Lent. But it harkens back all the way during the crusading period. Remember, 1090, in 1098, Europe sends her sons to the Holy Land to reconquer it because Islam had began to conquer for 400 years, Islam kept pushing and pushing and conquering us. And then, after 400 years of being conquered, we finally said, enough. Enough. And we will fight back. And then the Crusaders period enters in. As the Crusaders now reconquer Jerusalem, imagine, these men were devoutly Catholic. Laid down their lives for Jesus Christ. And when they got to Jerusalem, they were utterly amazed. Why? Because they said, we are now in the holy city of Jerusalem. All of the stories we heard at Mass were now here. So they went to Calvary. They went to the place where Jesus was scourged. They went to the Mount of Olives where Jesus was praying the night before he was arrested. They went to the upper room. They went to all of the holy places. And they meditated upon the beautiful love of Jesus Christ. And then when the crusading knights went back home, what did they do? When they made it back to Paris, London, Rome, 
They said, ah, let's bring Jerusalem back here now. Because why do we meditate upon the beautiful stations of the cross? Again, my brothers and sisters, use the key. Use the key to reunite humanity back to him. Why does Jesus allow himself to be stripped naked? Why does he carry the cross there? Why does he allow himself to be laughed at and spit upon? Why does he allow himself to be nailed? Why? Why any of this? Why? Because that is the length Jesus is willing to go to get humanity back. Even when we forget him. And we allow all the worldly lurens to distract us from God. God knows that. But he doesn't give up on us. That is why Jesus comes. And Lent is that beautiful time to say to Jesus Christ, I am sorry. I have not been the Christian that I should have been this last year. But through your grace and through your love, I will intensify it so God, God willing, I will become that son, that daughter you want me to be. See the beauty of Lent now. Why Jesus will go out of his way to cure and to cast out these demons. Because he has come to make us new again. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.